Are we really doing this? Loneliness? We are really doing it. And you know, the great Big topic about doing loneliness together is it's not as lonely as if you're yeah. yourself. And, you know, <laughs> I was saying I, I saw a thing where it said there was a study that they were doing and they were saying we would be honored to hear about your experiences with loneliness. And I'm like, hey, I'm glad it's an honor for you. It's not an honor for me, nor is it an honor for anyone else. And, you know, this is the thing. Like I said, this is this is something that you will not hear on any other show. Hi, this is Dear Anxiety, and welcome to Loneliness. That's right. I don't think you're going to hear that ever again. No, <laughs> it's not welcome because we're together. Followed it, by a giggle. Followed yeah. by a giggle. If you're listening right now. This is Dare Anxiety, and it's a show about mental health. It's a show that talks about how we relate to our thoughts and feelings. It's a show that deals with emotional fitness. We know what physical fitness is. We don't know anything about emotional fitness, and we're learning about how to practice wellness and how to deal with all the issues that we have in our heads. It's a mindset, right? It's all in your head and your perspective. And so what it's we... all in your head, Ed. <laughs> heard that before? It's in Ed's head. I actually it's in have Ed's that. head. Yeah, I actually have that. Now, my partner who you've just, Trini Jane is here and she... If, for those of you who don't know, and most of you do know, but if you don't know, Rini has a company called GoZen, and GoZen teaches resilience skills to kids and parents through creative play, through animation, through all kinds of interactive programs in schools, in the general public, in all kinds of places. Rini is a rock star. She won't admit to it, but she is. She's a mental health rock star. That's what I'm calling you now. So, yes. What kind of outfit would I, should I have for that? Probably some kind of a sweater with patches on it. And then <laughs> but your hair should be spiked up and you should have some kind of a Michael Jackson glove. Done. Yeah, something like that. Rini did her work, at a lot of work, with the father of applied positive psychology, Dr. Marty Seligman. Martin Seligman, I call you call him Marty. I can't call him Marty. And he's at the University of Pennsylvania, groundbreaking work on how the science of wellness. What is it? What's the science of happiness? What's the science of wellness? How do we practice it in our lives? So, okay, loneliness. Wow. When, you, when you hear that, because you're the one who brought it up, so there must be something going on with you. I did. You know, I've had many periods of loneliness in my life. And I think that some people, even people who are close to me, find that hard to believe. But it is such a difficult emotion and experience to deal with. And I really think that well, Ed and I are not going to have all of the answers. This isn't about that, but it's about talking about it. Let's talk about it and what happens when our kids are lonely and what that does to us and how we can deal with it. You know, everybody experiences it. I, I don't I don't know if, if people experience it differently. I don't know when it when does it cross over from, you know, just that sometimes people get lonely to a mental health issue. When when what's the crossover? Well, for me the crossover is disruption of your life. That's what I always say. You know, is it disrupting your life to the point where you can't sleep at night, you can't function, you are desiring change, that it can't go on like this? So while that's not, you know, a diagnostic criteria that they probably use when you're in a therapist's office, that's what I say. You know, is this disrupting your life? Is it disrupting your child's life to the point where 
you want change. And that's when it's a problem. But let's talk about what it is. Because I think that, I don't know, if if you ask 10 people what loneliness is, you might get different answers. I think that you would get different answers. How do you define loneliness? Well, loneliness is a, you know, I'm going to say it's a state of mind. And I'm going to say that it's a state of mind when I feel like when I feel like I don't belong and I feel like I can't connect and I feel like I'm not okay. I think that's profound. I think that's profoundly what really the definition of loneliness is. You know, I think that sometimes we think it's being isolated, social isolation and or lacking lots of friendships. But I think exactly what you said, it's a state of mind. It's really the difference between where you want to be with meaningful relationships and where you are. I mean, this is the thing that can cut through the heart of any parent. You never want to hear that your child is lonely, that they're lonely at school, that they don't have friends, that they don't have anyone to play with, that they're eating lunch alone. These are the things that bring instant tears to my eyes. Yeah, it's very, it's a real helpless feeling when you're a parent. And of course, it's a feeling that parents feel. Often you, you know, there are mental health issues that we all go through. It's the isolation that kind of is the lighter fluid for these issues. It's the isolation. When you're isolated, when you feel lonely, you cannot see the world as it is. I think that's so important what you said when you feel lonely, because you are not necessarily isolated or alone and have the feeling or the perception of loneliness. As many of us know, you can be surrounded by people or you can be totally alone, right? You could be surrounded by people and feel lonely or you could be totally alone and feel fine. So it but it's the feeling or the perception of not having those meaningful relationships. So you know, I want to talk about a few obvious things. Why is loneliness bad? <laughs> I mean, if you asked anyone, I think no one's going to say, yes, yeah, I want to be lonely. I want my child to be lonely. Like this is not a goal that we pursue. We intuitively know it's not something that we want in our lives. Right. But what do we know about it from a research perspective? What I was reading is that it's a major public health issue. Oh and my it's- goodness. Yes. Yes, like they are, you know, they're setting up ministries everywhere and cabinets and committees to work on the loneliness issue because it used to be just an issue of or what we perceive to be an issue of the elderly or those who are older because they lose their partners or, you know, family members. And then that could be a natural extension of what happens when you get older. But now it's rampant sort of across the board. So why is it bad, right? What do we know from the research? The research is kind of stunning. It makes your head spin (laughs) if you look at some of the statistics. It's the mortality rate from things like air pollution is like 5%. For loneliness, it's like 25%. Wow. Wow, it's unbelievable, right? Mm. The former Surgeon General of the U.S., Dr. Vivek Murthy, he said that loneliness is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's like a pack and a half. That's what it does to your health and your vitality. They've done all this research where loneliness can spark inflammation in your immune system. And of course, you're more likely to die prematurely from that, that it's more dangerous than obesity, Can you believe that? Mm, More mm. dangerous than obesity. Of course, it can lead to obesity. There's a correlation, but more dangerous than obesity. And so one thing that really stood out to me, you know, in digging into the research is that when you're lonely, the same part of your brain lights up as when you're in physical pain. 
It's just unbelievable. And then the stats are, the stats are kind of, I wouldn't say they're all over the place, but it doesn't matter if they're all over the place because every stat that you look at is staggering. It's one in four Americans are lonely. And according to the UK campaign to end loneliness, more than half of lonely people, they simply miss having someone to laugh with. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. What a thing. And what we're going to talk about, you know, going forward on the show is what can we do? What can we practice? Is there and I always ask, are there preventative measures that you can take? On a daily basis, we know that there are things that you need to answer when you're in crisis, because loneliness can also be you can have a crisis of loneliness, whether it's with your child. I mean, when you're little and you feel these big feelings and one of them is loneliness and I've heard it in my house you really, your heart breaks and you really don't know what to do. We don't know what to do with most emotions and thoughts, but sadness and loneliness Oh, we, we just want it to go away. We just want to fix we, it. There's none of this like let it. our kids feel their feelings, right? No, we don't want to deal with the loneliness thing. That is one thing that brings us all back to some point in our life when we were left out or not included or felt like we didn't belong. And right. it conjures up so much pain that it is very difficult for us to bear that and watching it in someone else, especially someone that we love and that we're taking care of. So I think that one of the things that we have to do with all of these subjects that we talk about is... Let's turn a little bit to the science so that we can at least get some myths busted, right? Let's bust bust some myths because it's important to know where we're at. Like the science, it's self-correcting. So sometimes, you know, you know, after they do a research study 10 years later, they overturn it. But let's at least know where we're at right now. So can we talk about some myths about loneliness? Sure, because okay. there with every with everything we talk about, there are plenty of myths to go around. <laughs> and this is the it's myth magic, myth mania. And now let's let's hear about some of the top myths about loneliness. Okay. So that living alone or being alone equates to loneliness. That is definitely a myth that is busted by the research. There are plenty of people that live alone or can be on their own that are not perceiving themselves to be lonely, right? They still have meaningful relationships in their lives. And so I think that's the big one. You know, and certainly it can lead to isolation, like with certain populations, like the elderly and and people who might live alone. But that's not what the that's not what the research is telling us. That doesn't. It's not what the research is telling us. Yeah, and and why that's important is because the cure is not to put a bunch of people around us all the time, or to put our kids in situations where there's lots of people around them, Mm -hmm. because it's not again just about being alone. So that isn't, it's not like when you're in, when you go to school and you're, or you're in college and they put together these mixers, right? And then all of a sudden that's going to be the cure to loneliness. So I think it's important to know, again, that loneliness is something that's subjective, you know, just like you were saying so importantly, Ed, at the beginning, that it's really this thing that's going on in your mind. Okay. So it's interesting because there was a researcher named John Cassiopo. He actually came to lecture at uh, my graduate school when I was there. And unfortunately, he's passed away, but his, you know, leaves a legacy of this amazing research on loneliness. And I remember him saying that loneliness is like hunger. There's actually a purpose to it. So I think that that's important for us to understand. It takes care of our social body, right? It provides us a message that we need to go out and connect. Okay, but I wanted to get back to myths. So this myth that it's just about being with other people. 
that, right. th- listen, there are a lot of people who have people around them. And I think Ed can tell us from being in the entertainment industry, there are millionaires, there are billionaires, there are people who are quote unquote popular, there are athletes that feel lonely. Very much so. And it's yeah. a it's a strange dichotomy because people can't believe it because you have a public persona that is very different from how you feel in your head or how you, what you're thinking and how you feel. Yeah, it's like, how can you be lonely? You always have this entourage around you. And so I think it's important for kids to understand this because what they might see on social media with other people, what they might see in the hallways or in other social situations where people being surrounded, it doesn't mean that all of those other people don't share in this feeling at one time or another. Okay, so the research shows us that it's not about being, quote unquote, with other people. And then I think the one of the other things is, or I think we're on the third thing now, is that it's about social skills and that people who have poor social skills are lonely. And the interesting thing is, is that the research shows that that's not the case. I mean, if you have really poor social skills, you may be more likely to be lonely, but lots of people feel lonely who have great social skills. Again, going back to what we're talking about, people in the entertainment industry may have great outward social skills, but there still can be a perception of not having meaningful relationships. Yeah, I, so those are myths. Those are those are things that I've you know that are often talked about when you're trying to help somebody who's telling you, especially if it's your child, that they're lonely. You're thinking, well, maybe it's about meeting more people, or maybe you need to, to have more friends, or you know, we need to be more active, or we need to fix something. And really, what I'm what I'd like to find out is, you know, what's going on in your mind when you're lonely? What are you telling yourself? And I'm actually asking you. (laughs) I'm telling myself that I'm misunderstood, that no one gets me. And this is these are the kind of things that went through my head as a kid when I felt like I couldn't find a group for myself. And I eventually put a wall up. Well, I don't want a group because trying to find it was painful to me. And so the things that would go through my head is they don't just get me. And I think it's super interesting that you actually asked that question because one very fascinating piece of the research is that what happens when we're lonely is that we start to perceive people as more hostile towards us. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. So we're looking out at the world and our perception is that people don't really want to be around us, that they are, you know, and so there is a cognitive distortion that goes on when you feel more lonely. So the lonely you are, the lonely, the lonely, I can't even say it. <laughs> See how hard it is? Yeah, that's, it. that's how loneliness is so hard. You have to be able to use those L's. Yes, you have to be able to use the words and I clearly can't. Oh. But yeah, no, I think this maladaptive thinking that happens, you know, with chronic loneliness just makes us more sensitive to rejection to thinking that we are going to get rejected or that person is looking at us in a way that's rejecting us, especially when it comes to kind of ambiguous social situations, right? So it's super important when we're working with our kids not to invalidate their feelings. Definitely not, especially when it comes to loneliness. You're not really lonely. I see you playing on the playground with so-and-so. <laughs> You're not, I mean, you can't be that lonely. You you sit with all these people. I think let us not 
at all invalidate the feeling of loneliness. But what it is important for us to do is to start understanding what the thoughts are that our kids are having. Because again, the research is showing us that we just, our perception is really skewed when it comes to other people when we feel lonely. Your perception, uh, my perception is really skewed. I can't see clearly. I can't, you know, everything is against me and no one likes me. And of course, the other thing is I don't like me. See, yes. I don't like me when I'm, because there's something about me that's not likable. And what's not likable is that I don't like my feelings and my thoughts that I'm having. And I'm uncomfortable with them. So I'm not saying that I break, of course, if I broke things down like this in my own life, I'd be a different person. I don't, but I do know when I'm not going through it, that that's what's happening. Right? Yeah. I mean, look, we're looking around, we're feeling lonely. And if someone criticizes us, then it can, one, like we just said, you feel there's a magnification of rejection, basically right? And which amplifies the feeling of loneliness. And also there are things that happen that lead to self-loathing. You're starting to not like yourself as much. Right. Or you might be believing like, what am I doing wrong? Why is this happening to me? And all of this leads to helplessness. If you think that there's nothing that you can do, if your child believes there's nothing they can do to change their circumstances, whether that be behavior, behavior or something else, then you start to feel helpless which is a huge factor when it comes to depression and when it comes to anxiety. So I think working with our thoughts is extremely important. But again, that shouldn't translate to, it's all in your head, Ed, right? If you came to me, oh, it's all in your head. You're not well, really that, lonely. Yeah. And that's what, you know, and then of course that would send me into, you know, well, now, now there's something really wrong with me. And now I don't, you know, it's all about, you know, do I have worth? Do I have value? They're, these are big issues. And that's where these kind of thoughts repeat. And then you have beliefs about it. Yeah, I'm really, I, I don't have value. Nobody likes me. I don't like me. So why would anybody want to be around me? And you say that enough in your mind. And what starts to happen? Well, I feel lonely. I start to get more isolated. And then I can't see who I am or who, what the world is to me. I can't see anything. And if you were my child, Ed, I would not want to invalidate those thoughts that you're having, but I would want to make sure that they don't crystallize into beliefs, right? Because your negative thought should be a hypothesis that you can test and that you consider other possibilities, not fact. Not like this thought is going through my head and all of a sudden it's fact. It should be a hypothesis. Is well, let, this let, really true? Let's show them. That's a very big point. You, you, you say that again. Is this really true? Yeah, that should be a name of a whole, that we could do a show on that. Now, okay, so let's do it for them. So I'm going to be a kid. I'm coming to you. You're my parent. You're going to demonstrate some tools. You're going to actually use some tools that parents could go to, and then we'll tell them what the tools are, but you're just going to use them in this role play. Light, camera, and action. Wow, I can't believe this. Nobody, nobody picked me for the, for the team. What's going it's on, like, honey? Well, nobody picked me. Nobody picked me. And it's like, this happens every time, Ugh. every single time. It's like, why does everybody get picked before me? I'm Baby, so sick of it. it doesn't happen every time. Okay. Let's be realistic. It doesn't happen every time. I'm sick right? of it. It doesn't happen every time. Come on. 
nobody, I don't have any friends. You know, I, nobody comes over here. That's not true. You just got invited to something. I, I can't remember what it was exactly, but you just got invited to something. No, I don't. I remember last year you hung out with, um, what was his name, Matt? All Come my on, f- don't be so negative. You're, we love you. All my friends have somebody. You're amazing. I have nobody. I, I don't know nobody. how to convince you that you're amazing. Dad and I love you so much. You're so incredible. Look at the art you just did that you hung on your wall. You're amazing. I just feel awful. I want to I want to just be in my room. I wish you weren't so negative. Cut, cut, cut. That didn't work. Okay, so that's what most that's you're <laughs> That's what you're, the before. <laughs> yeah, that is the before. You're listening to this is what we do with our kids. This is yeah. what we that we try to convince them otherwise. We try to overpower them with our incredible amounts of overwhelming love as if that is the ultimate healer, because that's what we've heard. Hey, how come my love isn't healing this child? I have so much love for them because your love is amazing. It's a foundation, right? It's a beautiful thing, but they're having their own experience and we're invalidating their experience by basically pouring love on top of it. We're love bombing them. Um, yes. And, and, and it's too much with the bombing of the Don't love. Don't drop the love bomb. Don't no. drop the love bomb. That's no. our bumper sticker for the day. Don't drop the love bomb. <laughs> so the phrase is not, you know, I'm feeling really lonely. What? You're great. Yes. I mean, look, it's a knee jerk response, right? We want them to feel better because we love them and we hate to see them hurt. Or sometimes we're depleted ourselves and we're just like, I can't deal with this again, you know, and, and not in a bad way. And I'm saying that in a very non-judgmental way. I have two kids myself and it can be exhausting sometimes. But even when we're not exhausted, let's say our, our tanks are full, but we just don't know what to do to ease their pain. So let's try again. Okay. So, okay. So let's, let's reaffirm it. So what are we going to do? And then we'll demonstrate it. What, what okay. would you tell people to do? Okay. What so would- the first thing is, is that be a mindful listener. Think about when you have a problem and you go home and you're talking to, you know, your partner or your spouse or your friend, and you want them to really listen to what you have to say. Okay. So think about that before you step into a situation like this with your child. And the best thing you can do is just really listen, hold space and listen, and you can reflect back what they're saying a little bit. That's that's always the first step for connection. And then what we're going to do is we are going to try to get our child to really test the hypothesis that they're having. You know, this thought is is a hypothesis. It's not truth by guiding them with some techniques. Okay. Okay. All right. Be a mindful listener and get your child to test the thoughts. Okay. Role play. Take two. And action. So I can't believe this. Nobody picked me again. It happens every time. Every time. Nobody picked me. And I'm the only one who's left. And it's so embarrassing. And I feel like nobody likes me in my school. Are you talking about gym class? Can you tell me more? Well, I was I was in gym class and they were picking sides for basketball. And again, it's like they took everybody and I was just left standing there. Oh. And the teacher, the coach had to say, you take him. Do you know I how awful you. that feels? It feels awful. I can see that that must have been really, really hard for you. I can hear it in your voice. I can see that must have been hard for you. 
It is. And I, I got to tell you, you know, this is the way it is all the time. Like nobody likes me. No one wants to play with me. No one ever wants to come over our house. I have no friends. It's awful. There's nothing to look forward to. I'm just going to stay in my room. I hate this. I hear how much pain you're in to the point where you don't even want to come out of your room. I don't. And I hear all of those thoughts going through your head that nobody likes you and that you don't have any friends and you know, you might as well go to your room because what's the point? Is that kind of how you're feeling? I know you're trying to make me feel better, but you know, it's that, that is how I feel. And I tell you, that's how I feel all the time, all the time. Wow. Well, listen, I'm, listen, I'm really not trying to make you feel better in this moment. I just want to hear what's going on with you. I know you, you know, and I care about you. I'm not trying to make you feel better. I just want to know, you know, what happened and what thoughts are going through your head. And when you're ready, I'd love to talk a little bit more about some of those thoughts that you had. What do you think? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I... Because some of them are big thoughts, you know? Well, I hate, you know, I mean, I... big ones. (laughs) I hate, I hate, listen, I hate myself. Wow. So you're not feeling good about yourself. You hate yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I heard you also say that you don't have any friends, right? Yeah. And that um, they picked you last. So who, who was it or what happened exactly that you got picked last? There were, I'm assuming it's like when I was in school, there were two teams. Yeah, there were two teams and there was Mm -hmm. a red team and the blue team. And, you know, uh, they picked all the reds and the blues. And then I was just left there by myself, standing Mm -hmm. by myself, which I am always by myself. There's Mm -hmm. always groups of people Mm -hmm. and and then I'm not part of it. And it's Mm -hmm. like I try to connect, you know, I try to get I try to play, but nobody wants me. Okay, so let's think of a couple of different things. So first, so two things. One is you said always. Has there literally never been one time when you were not picked last? Has there been one time? Well, there may not have been one time. There may have been one time, but I can't remember it. Okay, okay, got it. And then you didn't get picked first. You got picked last this time, right? You were just standing there and it felt really bad. I know that feeling and it felt really bad. Yeah. Do you think... What are you what do you think is the reason or maybe a reason that that happened? Because I'm not good. Okay. So that could be a reason. That's true. And can we think of maybe some other reasons? Can you use the word maybe for me? Like maybe uh, and let's come up with something. Okay? Let's think. Maybe, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe they didn't, you know, Maybe they were used to playing together and they didn't know how I could play or maybe they, maybe they didn't trust me or maybe they, maybe they don't like me or maybe, maybe, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's my fault or maybe, maybe it was just, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't put myself out there enough. Okay. That's good. What I want you to see from this is that We're not exactly sure why. So sometimes our mind gives us a reason. Well, they didn't pick me because, and then we fill the reason and our brain fills the reason because they didn't like me. But you just came up with three or four other reasons why it could have happened. Now, they weren't all great, right? Some of them felt bad, but maybe, like you said, maybe someone else was picked before you because 
the person who picked him is used to playing with that person. So all I want you to do in this moment is come up with some maybes. That's it. Because what I have learned in my life is that our thoughts are not all true. I know that it feels bad in this moment and it's okay, but I just want you to learn one thing, that your thought isn't fact. It's just a theory. You know, you learn about theories in science. Yeah. And you could collect evidence to see if that theory is really true, right? And one way to do it is by using the word maybe. That's okay. Okay, well, Maybe, you know, Bob who picked the other person before you and left you last, maybe that behavior doesn't have anything to do with you. Yeah, well. Maybe it does, but maybe it doesn't. I guess if you say, if you say maybe, I guess, yeah, I guess maybe, yeah, maybe it doesn't, but I don't know. Cut, print it, that's a wrap. Okay. So this is hard, right? And we're not tying it up with a bow. Like, (laughs) Ed, you did wonderfully because it was really realistic, you know, and we can't tie our kids things up with a bow. That's just not the way that it works. Well, I won the award for loneliness. I I actually (laughs) got a merit badge in high school for it. We really have to teach our kids to be more accurate thinkers. We are just supremely inaccurate thinkers as humans because of the way that our brain processes information. We take in millions of bits of information, but then we can only consciously process a few bits. And so we really need to start disputing our own thoughts because that can be really what leads to this perception of being alone. But, you know, sometimes our kids are lonely. So not all of this is about perception. Sometimes realistically, the feeling of loneliness matches their lack of meaningful relationships. And then that's hard. That's hard, right? Yeah. What do we do? What do we do when we're in that situation? Yeah. You know, I certainly can relate to that. And, you know, in fact, we're going to start doing this. This is such a big subject. This, this may be part of We may have to do another show on this. But And what you've said is really important because there are concrete things. And one is be a mindful listener. And two is to get your child to test the theory, to institute the word maybe. Will you just think about maybes and use that word. Actually use it and and make a whole bunch of, go through it with them. Use that word. Do it for yourself. Give yourself a maybe, you know. So mindful listening. Try not to override their feelings with, you're the greatest person in the world. I don't know how you could feel that way. Because they do feel that way. So these are two like really concrete things that you can do. Now every week we're going to talk we're going to talk directly to you. We have a lot of listeners. Thank you for listening. Thanks for for keeping us company. We're keeping each other company with this, which which kind of is an antidote to loneliness too. Not only information and connection, but connection, the opposite of isolation. So we get these listener emails and one came in and it echoes kind of what we've been talking about. So he says Hi, Rini and Ed. I have an issue with my teen and I don't know what to do. My daughter is highly sensitive and clusters her negative experiences whenever she feels hurt or ignored or not part of a group. She often feels, she often talks about how lonely she feels. She has very often been the outsider, though she's very outgoing and giving. My heart aches for her and I don't know how to help her. Wow. Thank you for writing in, you know, and we feel you. Absolutely. I think the first step is really 
in any of this work is to navigate through our own feelings, you know, as Ed, as you mentioned, how is the situation affecting us, right? Are we being transported back to a situation of our own hurt feelings, of our own thing, feelings of rejection, whether that have been at school or somewhere else. And so really, we need to navigate those first and practice some self-compassion before we're able to step into a place where we're able to help our child. And with practice, that can be done fairly quickly, right? Because a lot of times kids don't have time for you (laughs) to close your eyes and navigate through whatever you're going through. So that takes practice. But look, it's really hard. But I think that in all of this, what we need to do is to give our kids some perceived control. Because I think that what I had growing up and what I see with a lot of the kids that we're working with, right, and that we hear from Ed is that they don't feel like anything's one, going to change or two, that they can change it. So for them to know the three P's by Dr. Marty Seligman, he talks about permanence, the things that lead to feelings of helplessness and then eventually depression, not to use the words always and never, to know that this too shall pass, to know that, yes, this is difficult. And it is, and we're not taking away from that, but it's not permanent. It's not your entire life. And if you do believe that this is it, this is the way it's always going to be, then that's a distorted view that we really need to dispute, not to personalize and turn everything into your own fault, right? Somehow you are to blame and not to make it pervasive. So we let something that happened, for example, what the role play that we did about gym class, we bleed that over to all areas of our life. And then all of a sudden, I didn't get picked in gym class and my life is the worst. Like everything, everything is bad. Right. So the three P's, permanence, personalization, and pervasiveness are really important to go over with your kids um, to make sure that you empathize, right? Like with what your daughter is going through where she is legitimately being left out of things and having those feelings of loneliness. But to give her back some control, I think a lot of this is an issue of loss of control. Where can your daughter go and forge meaningful relationships Whether that be you guys coming up with a list of things, a plan, and that be her joining something that's meaningful to her. And I'm not saying, you know, go and try to do everything and try to figure out what works for her. I'm saying pick a few things that your daughter's interested in that's meaningful to her and go out and try them. Go, I know this sounds counterintuitive, go give to someone else. Sometimes when we are feeling the most depleted within ourselves, giving to someone else can be the most fulfilling thing. Literally going to volunteer to see that, listen, yeah, I feel lonely inside. No one's connecting with me, but I have control to go connect with someone else and to give with someone else and to treat someone else the way I wish I was being treated and to see that come back to me immediately. And then when we feel lonely and we feel like the world isn't on our side, When the good stuff does happen, it sort of floats over our head. So we really need to teach our kids to savor some of those micro moments, especially of connection, whether that be I just went to the grocery store to get something and I connected with the person that was bagging my groceries and I felt a real connection. You know, we had I mean, it was a miniature conversation, but it was a real connection. We looked in one another's eyes. There was authentic smiling. I was really listening. Now, I'm not saying that your daughter's loneliness is, you know, that is going to be alleviated by going to have a conversation with someone at the local retailer. But what I am saying is that don't underestimate those micro moments of connection and just throw them out the door like they don't mean anything. Talk about them, be grateful for them, relive them, you know, don't force it down their throat when they're feeling lonely, but 
kind of let them experience those things again and again. Yeah, those are such good points and wonderful points that you make. And I would say, too, anything that you do with your child, you can do with yourself. So when you say be a mindful listener and institute the word, you know, get to test the theories or the thoughts and institute the maybe policy, do it to yourself. Because it's all going on inside of us all the time, right? So there's always an opportunity to do that. And if, you, if you're not doing it for yourself, you're going to find it, you know, very challenging to do for your kids when those moments do come up. And Believe me, I know. About, it's not just about modeling that behavior, right? It's really about embodying it so oh, that yeah. you can show up as the best version of yourself for your child. Because when they're going through something like this, where they're feeling left out, that they don't belong, that they're being rejected, that they don't get included. I mean, they need the best version of you to show up in order to help guide them through this. Yeah. And in order to have the best version, of course, just to listen to yourself, you know, at times when it's not a crisis or when it is. But that's your work. You know, that's my work. I can't say it's your work. It's a, <clears throat> it's my work. Practicing it, you know, I've always been good at talking about it. I've not been the greatest at, at practicing these things. And so the show is an exploration for me, too, as it is for, you know, maybe some of the people listening. And, and Rini admits this, too. You know, this is all stuff that she goes through in her own life. And Oh, absolutely. I am not. I do not live a utopic life at home. I am an absolute work in progress. A lot of the work comes out of my own experience, my own inner experience and my own outer experience with my kids. And so, yes, I am a work in progress. I am along on this journey with you guys. And I think one thing that we really need to look at before we kind of wrap and close the show or mm -hmm. at least start thinking about is the proactive place that a school needs to take when it comes to combating loneliness, right? When I see stories or I see pictures, visuals of a child eating alone and it's not of their own volition, I am in instantly in tears. Not because of the pain of that child, that brings me to tears as well, but also because I feel like it's preventable. It's preventable in an authentic way, not because you're forcing kids to sit together, but there's so many creative ways that we can work as a school to help our kids be proactively kind to each other and forge meaningful relationships. I don't know what it was like your school, Ed, when you were growing up or like in the bus, but for us, it was literally Lord of the Flies. Everyone's just every man for himself. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Figure out what your group is. You know, if you get sure. rejected, ignored, bullied, it just <clears throat> didn't matter. There were no real, you know, there were the lunch helpers around to serve food and help out with food. But there was no one else around to help you navigate those social situations. Right. And I I actually attended Lord of the Flies Junior High. That was the name of my <laughs> school. Uh, so I knew what I was getting into, you know, but I, but nonetheless, it was Lord of the Flies Junior High and then high school, forget it. But when I, you know, like you're talking about, it's not a big complex thing, but they actually started instituting these things years ago. And it was started by this one little boy and it's called a buddy bench. And I don't know if you know the buddy bench, but the buddy bench is a bench or a separate area of the school or the uh, the playground where the kids hold a special bench for kids who have nowhere to go or who don't know where to go. And you can go there during lunchtime or recess or wherever, and you always have company. There's always somebody there. So that's pretty simple. I but love the buddy bench. The buddy yeah. bench, we should work to have the buddy bench in every single school. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's it's very dynamic. You, it doesn't have to be a bench. You can use anything that you have. 
Yeah. We don't need funding for this, right? No, Let's designate no, it the funding. buddy bench. No. Yeah, everybody needs an area. And I know that there's a school, you know, my, my daughter going into high school, that they're, they really place a premium on lunchtime. There are clubs and there are interests that people can, you know, connect with each other. And there's always some place for somebody to go if they have nowhere else to go or if they don't feel like they're part of something. They can connect with an interest or with a particular group to eat lunch with. So there's definitely, you know, we need to start that. We need to have that in our in our own schools. There should be a place for everyone. Everyone belongs. It has everyone to be. belongs. Everyone belongs. And I hope that this opens up conversation to talking about it. I feel like loneliness is wrapped up and if it goes, you know, there's the cousin of shame, right? So nobody yeah. wants to talk about being lonely. That feels somehow that we're not accomplished in a certain way. But I think talking about it, we've all felt lonely at some point in our lives. And talking about it is the beginning of change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just saying it is is a big relief. You feel like you have to carry it around. There, there is shame in it. The cousin of shame was my my name in in, in junior high. Uh, I was known as the cousin <laughs> at Lord of, of the Flies junior, in junior high. Junior high school, yes. I was the cousin of shame. It was a name that I wrestled under. I was a professional wrestler. I used to wrestle with my own feelings and my own self. But I was the cousin of shame, and formerly the cousin of tragedy and the cousin of anguish. But yes, yes, yes. No, everything everything that you're saying is is right on the money. Say it. Have have a conversation. Tell your kids that you feel lonely sometimes. And if you don't, what is wrong with you people? I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> You've never felt lonely? But tell it. Tell it. You know, let them know. Tell them a story. Tell them something. It's not a bad thing. It actually will open up all kinds of doors for you if you just tell them how you feel and tell them what's going on with you. You know, and for okay. any child that's young, age six and under, even seven and under, you can always personify these feelings, right? What is loneliness telling you? Make loneliness a character and let sure. them know that loneliness exaggerates just like worry does. Loneliness makes you think that nobody likes you. And so let's talk to loneliness. Oh, we could go on with these with this conversation for a really long time, but I know that we have to close the show. I personally want to say thank you guys so, so much for listening. It's so incredibly meaningful. Our goal is just to reach as many humans as possible with these skills because they're skills that they didn't teach us in school. So we all need to learn them, right? And so we really appreciate the feedback that you guys leave us, the reviews that you leave us and the emails that you send in. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you. We're very grateful to have you listening and to have you be part of this community. We are building a community. And, you know, the podcast address is if you if you want to listen or pass it on, you can get it wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe. That helps all of us. And you can see you can find it at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Dear Anxiety on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can send your emails or submit any issues that you want to share with us completely anonymously but we will we will answer them and connect with you on it and you can send it to gozen g-o-z-e-n dot com forward slash dear anxiety gozen forward slash gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety great to have you not as lonely right now as when i first began still the cousin of shame but but fighting it and coming back stronger every day (laughs) thank you guys Keep coming back at Works If You Work at Ed Krasnick, Rini Jane. See you next time.